Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Good morning, everybody. It is great to see you guys. Thank you so much for being here. We're continuing our series entitled Faithful, Fueling Faith in a World on Empty. And uh, we've been talking about over the last several weeks these five critical essentials that God seems to use over and over, not only in the pages of the Bible, but also every testimony of somebody's faith story that you hear. You're going to hear God using, leveraging these essentials over and over and over and over. Um, and we've been talking about how these are so powerful that God uses them for, to grow our faith, to, to help us to understand him better. And let me just, in case you're kind of like wondering, like how important is faith and how does it work into all of the things that God is doing? Faith is so critical, and we use it interchangeably with the word trust. It is not just critical in a relationship with God, it is critical with any other human being you'll ever come in contact with. Let me show you what I mean by that. When we talk about trust or faith, let me straighten this up a little bit. All right, when we talk about trust or faith, um, it is only when we trust someone that we're willing to get vulnerable, like get real, just real and honest with them, right? And vulnerability will dictate how close or intimate that we get with someone. So if we, we use this, and hopefully you have experienced the, the truth of this little kind of uh, relational equation, if you will, the, 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 the limiter on how intimate or close you're going to get with any person or God is the amount in which you are willing to trust them. If you don't trust somebody, you're never going to be intimate. You're never going to really get to know. You're not going to let them get close, right? I won't either. If somebody proves that, that you cannot trust them, you're going to always keep them at arm's length, right? This is why it's so powerful. God's like, I created you to have an intimate, close love relationship with me, and you can't have that without faith, without trust. This is why it's so critical. This is why we've been camping out on these five essentials God uses to grow our faith. Week one, we talked about providential relationships, certain relationships that God uses in such a powerful way. Week two, we talked about practical teaching, that you need to learn how to go home and put into practice what God says. It's not just about information, but application. Week three, last week, we talked about private disciplines. Now, if you missed that, I encourage you to go back and check that out, but I ended by giving you what I called the 30-day challenge, that over the next month, that you are willing to put into practice some private disciplines by putting God first, right? And so for some of you, you're like, I have, it's been a while or I've really never done this before but I said let's, let's start by putting, giving God the first minutes of your day the first dollars of your pay and the first day of the week so praise the Lord you're here today first day of the week so thank you some of you guys are taking this really seriously and if you missed last week that's okay pick up the 30 day challenge start it today but keep going just keep going I wanted to encourage you to keep going now, today we're going to talk about number four, the fourth essential, and that is personal ministry. Now, this is a funny word, ministry. Sometimes it feels real exclusive, like the only people qualified to minister or professional are professional ministers, people who are on church staffs or have seminary degrees, which is just not the case. We don't see that in the Bible anywhere, right? 
Let me break that down and try to demystify this for you a little bit. The idea of ministry is simply to meet a need, right? Is that simple enough, right? Meet a need. Christian ministry is to meet a need in the name of Christ, in the name of Jesus, right? If you can meet a need in the name of Jesus, you can minister. Like, anybody can do this. Children can do this. Anybody can do this. Jesus did this on purpose so that it is accessible for all people. And in many faith stories, you're going to hear people talk about, I saw this need. I, like, I, I became aware of a need, but I immediately, and maybe this is your story, I immediately felt inadequate. You ever felt like that? Like, I see the need, but I felt inadequate. But you couldn't get it off your mind, right? And what is more, you kind of felt like God was nudging you. Like, God, I felt this nudge from God, and it was like, I want you to do something about it. But, and it wouldn't leave you alone. But then you kind of, it was like back and forth. You felt scared and unqualified. Anybody ever felt like that before? I certainly have, like Wednesday. Um, so all the time feel like that. Yes, but God calls people like this all the time anyway. But God, what you'll hear through people's story, and some of you may even have testimonies to this fact, that even though I felt inadequate, God nudged me, I felt scared and unqualified, I stepped out anyway, and God did something amazing through me. I didn't even think it was like possible that he could do this, but he did, and I'm, I, I, I'm a living proof that God shows up at times when people don't have adequate um, what I would say resources, right? And this is why I'm talking about this today. Because some of you sitting here, some of you watching this online, some of you here, if you would be so brutally honest with yourself and God today, you would say, this is true of me. You may be in the middle of a tug of war with God right now. And you have been putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. But God won't leave you alone about it. There's a nudge there's a need you're aware of, and it just bothers you. It irritates you that it's not being addressed. It's not, it, it's not or not being addressed enough, and it bothers you. It, and he keeps bringing it back to your mind, uh, mind, but part of what keeps you apprehensive and keeps you tugging against God is that you know if you were to say yes to God, when you say yes to God, it's going to take you right out of your comfort zone in order to minister to these people, whoever they are. And, and, and getting out of our comfort zone is not something we're great at in this country. We don't like that. Let me stay in my comfort zone, and I'll love Jesus all you want me to, all right? Unfortunately, he doesn't do it like that. All growth, spiritual growth, faith growth happens outside the comfort zone. And we have different comfort zones according to different areas of our life. But he's always like helping us to say, it's time for you to step outside of that. Trust me, follow me, right? And by doing this, he's going to meet the greatest need in your life. This is the irony about ministry. Is that by you meeting someone else's need, learning to minister to others, God will meet the biggest need in your life. And that is, going back to our equation earlier, intimacy with him which cannot happen apart from faith and trust. He will grow your faith. He will deepen it. He will broaden it. He will make it mature, strong, unshakable, where you can go through literally anything and your faith is unrocked in God. 
And unfortunately, there are fewer and fewer people willing to go through the process to get that kind of faith. They're easily frustrated, give up, upset with God, other people, the church, whatever, give up so easily. But Jesus, we see him over and over calling us into a much more mature, deeper, profound kind of faith than that. So this internal wrestling match, this internal wrestling match is God teaching us to trust him. It's, it's, it's him showing us he wants to build that faith muscle. And just like any muscle, you're going to have to get some resistance, right? It's, by the, it's, it's the resistance that grows the strength and the size of the muscle. So you have to have the resistance. Now today we're going to pick up this incredible account of Jesus in John, or pardon me, Matthew chapter 14, where we're going to see how Jesus is going to teach us about profound faith. Now, the beginning of chapter 14 begins with a heinous, horrible murder of John, the baptizer, the cousin of Jesus. Now, I don't have time to go into that. You're welcome to read that later on, maybe not to your children. But anyway, it's brutal. But Jesus finds out about it along about verse 13. Jesus finds out about it, and just like normal people, he's like, I need a moment. And he pulls away, says he literally gets on a boat to go to a solitary place. He's right on the, the Sea of Galilee, so he gets alone out into the lake, which is a private discipline we talked about last week. He's being alone with the Father, but there's so many people gathering by the lake that he's like, okay, I'm going to circle back, and I'm going to have more time with my Father tonight, but right now I'm going to address the needs of these people and help them to grow their faith, and simultaneously he's going to help us grow our faith today as well. So he goes ashore, Verse 14 begins like this. It says, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. And as we're going to learn, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Okay, it is not small anymore. And he had compassion. He had compassion on them and healed their sick. He loved them. He, his heart went out. He broke for their needs, their distress, their hurting situations of life. And so does he for ours as well today. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. And now the disciples are going to give Jesus a little advice, okay? Which is always funny, all right? Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, that isn't necessary. Let's say these last three words together. You feed them. Okay, now, you got to, you know, put yourself in the disciples' sandals for just a moment here, all right? They're like, okay, based on human understanding, we get in a remote place, these people are hungry, we don't have any food, they need food, you know, uh, and even me talking about this, I bet you, we all are thinking about the next meal. I bet you're thinking about lunch right now. Well, you really are now that I just brought it up. We're always thinking about it, and I'm sure they've been probably not eaten like every meal that day they've been chasing after Jesus and so which is great but Jesus is kind of like I get it I all the information you just gave me I get it I understand we're in a remote place people are hungry we don't have food and Jesus turns right around and he says but sending them away is not necessary I want you to feed them Okay, so think about this for a second. Jesus is asking the disciples to do something that is impossible, okay, in their power, in their understanding, in their knowledge, according to their resources. They don't have it. 
They don't, they, they're literally being asked to do something they have no capacity for, right? This, herein lies the tension with every ministry you have ever been a part of or ever known about that has ever been launched. Somebody had to go through this moment right here. We see this, and that's why we're camping out on it today. You sense a need with someone or a group of someone's or a ministry. You see a need in a ministry and you feel like I need, to, I need to help. Someone needs to meet that need. You see it, your heart goes out to it and then God nudges you, right? Maybe some of you are feeling this right now or have in the past and he nudges you like you go meet it, right? That's what he's nudging you to do and our immediate reaction is no, Lord, this isn't something that I need to do. This is just something that I should pray for, okay? This is something I'm gonna pray for. God, send somebody to go meet that need for those people. Somebody needs to do something about that. And God seems to respond, okay, I want you to do it. No, Lord, send somebody else, <laughs> right? That's, that's our immediate response, Jesus is inviting these disciples to come and be a part of the solution of a very real, very human problem. That, that we're all going to face these kinds of problems, and he's asking them to come and be a part of that, but what he's asking, once, once again, is impossible. It is not possible, which forces us, and we're going to unpack this over the next few minutes, forces us to ask the question, why would he ask them such a crazy request? Why would he ask them this? Is he asking them this because they actually do have a stack of food somewhere and they don't know about it? No. He's not asking them according to their ability, their resources, their know-how, their ingenuity, their intelligence. He's asking them according to his own. This, herein lies the big issue for most people. Because our fear, our inadequacy, our talking ourselves out of it comes not from saying, how big is our God, but how much do we have to give? How much can, do we feel like we can contribute to this moment? And it's always going to be less than what's required. And this is what Jesus said. This is so beautiful. So the, the uh, disciples, what is their response? They respond much like we do. Verse 17, they say, but we only have, okay, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answer. Like, Jesus, you're not going to believe this. We have scoured all of the crowd. And out of these 500 men, there was only this one boy over here that thought to bring a lunch box, okay? <laughs> like, it's crazy. Five loaves, two fish, and that's all we have. Like, literally, all the, no one occurred to them. They're like, we might be out all day. We might want to bring some food. Nobody but this one guy, right? And he probably didn't even do it. It was his mom. So thank you, ladies. You were thinking, <laughs> you were the ones who thought about that. So anyway, beautiful that they're saying, okay, this is all we have, Jesus. We, we went and checked the bank account, and there's no money, hardly any money. There's only a little bit left. There's only a little bit, right? The disciples do exactly what we normally do. They started making excuses. Now, they're not flimsy excuses. They're based on reality. But we're painfully aware of our inadequacies when God brings us up to the cusp of what he's about to do next when he invites us to be a part of meeting a need, doing ministry. He's always gonna ask you to give what you don't feel like you're capable of giving. 
in that moment. And we're all going to come to the place, just like they did, where we're going to say, I only have. I only have the five loaves and two fish. I only have this limited amount of training, God, and limited amount of experience, only so much time, energy. I don't have very much to give. As a matter of fact, if, you, if I'm really honest with you, I want to tell you, you got the wrong guy. You got the wrong girl. You need to pick somebody else. I can't do this. I, I only have the five loaves and two fish. But what's beautiful is that Jesus didn't go, well, you're right. Wow, what was I thinking? You people can't do anything. Like, I need to get new disciples, right? He doesn't do that. Verse 18, he says, bring them here. I want you just to bring me what you do have. It's beautiful. And this isn't the first time we see God doing this. Back in Exodus, when God comes to Moses, as you'll remember, and he's calling him to do the, the Exodus, and Moses is looking around going, I am a shepherd, and I can't even get these sheep to follow me half the time. Ah, you know, like, they're running. I don't have, like, you picked the wrong guy. God, and he's saying, what is that in your hand? Oh, it's a staff, it's a stick. God says, I'll use that. I don't need, you, you're looking at the wrong stuff. I'll use whatever you got. I know you feel like you don't have enough. You know, they show up and they're like, Jesus, we, we found this one lunchbox, okay? That's all we have. That's it. Jesus just says, bring me what you have. Stop making excuses. Stop talking yourself out of it. I know you feel like you have limited education and experience and you have limited time and energy and money and all these things. It's okay. And maybe like me, you have tried to use legitimate excuses. They weren't given a false excuse. It was legitimate. You may say, well, God, I, I come from a broken home. I come from a broken home. Not all the relationships were real healthy and Christ-centered, okay? I had to grapple with that. Still do sometimes. Maybe you have felt like, I've made lots of mistakes, Will. God ain't gonna call me to do ministry. I have blown it. I have done things, said things, exposed myself to things that... You wouldn't, you wouldn't even want me in your church if you knew. Jesus is saying, you underestimate the power of your God. I can use anybody, anybody. These disciples were completely uneducated. They had no power, no connections. They didn't have anything to bring to the table. They literally were just like, we're available. We'll give up our jobs and follow you. That is what they brought to the table. And Jesus used them to turn the world upside down. And he wants to do that once again with people who are willing and available. Even with your limited time, money, energy, talent, education, experience. Verse 19, Jesus gives instructions now. Here's what I want you to do. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. This makes me think of Psalm 23, I spent in a little time this week, and I'm like, oh my goodness, here's, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Here's him doing it again. Just sit down. You don't have to do anything. I'm about to feed you. I'm about to take care of one of your primary, deepest needs of your life. 
I'm going to take care of you. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish. He looked up towards heaven and blessed them. They had to be brought to him. Are you following me? They brought what they had. They surrendered it to Jesus. He took it, put his blessing on on the thing, the time, the money, the, the lunchbox of whatever you have left over, whatever you have to give. He blesses it. And then what did he do? Then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciple. He gives it back to them to now use to meet needs, to distribute among the people around them, who distributed it to the people. Now, despite their excuses, they brought what they had to Jesus, but Jesus blessed it, and then um, he gives them just enough to get started, okay? So he literally takes the five loaves, two fish, breaks them up into pieces, gives a little bit to each of the 12 disciples. Now imagine for a moment you're one of the 12, okay? You're looking at your hand going, and you're looking at the thousands of people, and you're like, this is going to be awkward. This is really not going to work well. I don't know what we're expected to do here. And Jesus is like, just start with the people around you. I want you to start, just meet the needs the best you can. And I'm sure they're thinking in their mind, okay, a little bit for you, a little for you. I'm sorry, I'm out. I mean, you know, like, this is not going to make it very far. But something so powerful began to happen that in this process of distributing, it began to multiply. And a miracle started happening. You see, they didn't know how to feed 5,000 with what they had. Jesus didn't even care. He was not depending upon this but they did know how to serve what they were given. What they did have in their little lunchbox, what was uh, at their disposal, what little resources they did have, they were willing to say, God, what I have is yours, and I will start to share. I will use it to meet a need, but I need you to put your blessing on it. I need you to make it go further. I need you to help me. And he's like, that's my specialty. (laughs) That's what I'm waiting for. That's what I need. They share what Jesus gave them and they start looking uh, for those needs closest to them. They begin to meet them and a miracle began to happen. Things multiplied. They went further and they accomplished more than they ever imagined. They simply did what they knew to do and Jesus did what only Jesus could do. That's how it works over and over. And I want you to remember this. Ladies and gentlemen, please do not forget this. Every time you feel that nudge from God, and God says, I want you to serve. I want you to sign up for that ministry. I want you to fill out that card and turn it in. I want you to go on the mission trip. I want you to invite that coworker, that next door neighbor, that person in your apartment complex, that person in your dorm. I want you to be the one. I want you to step up, and I'm going to use you in powerful ways. I want you to step out of your comfort zone. You know why? So that as you learn to trust me, we become closer. And you come to know the God of the universe and his faithfulness to meet you right in the middle of your faith crisis of trusting him in ministry. And he does this by using you to meet needs around him. It's so powerful. You will have all kinds of excuses. I have every person has, but I want you to remember, God wants to grow your faith. This is what he's after. This is what he wants. He wants you to come to know him better. He wants to grow and deepen, broaden your faith. It's bigger than just meeting needs. I mean, let's be honest. God can meet needs without us, right? 
He could have feed, fed the 5,000, like probably way more efficient. Like he could put it right in their tummies if he wanted to. But he was, he was interested in incorporating people in the process so that he could grow faith, so that he could show them that he is trustworthy. But he can't do that unless you bring what little trust you do have, what, what little faith you do have, your little lunchbox of faith, and say, here's what I have, and here are the resources I have available to me, and I give them to you. And God can and will do that in us just like he did in the first century. But our response that he is hoping for, he's desiring, our response is, I'll do what I can do, Lord, and I'm going to trust you to do what only you can do. As a matter of fact, when we look closely at any faith story throughout history where God accomplished something amazing through a person or through a ministry, let's move to our next slide, here we go. Yes, when you look closely at any story of any time in history, missions, organizations, churches, ministries, where people have been used greatly of God, you will find this principle that I'm talking about every single time. It is insane how consistent it is, how God, someone along the way will pray a prayer something like this, God, I can't do that. God will move on their heart that they'll say, God, I can't do that because I only have five loaves and two fishes. I got this little lunchbox. I don't have very much to give. And God will come back and remind them, bring them to me. You bring what you have to me. Bring me what you have. If you'll bring it, I'll bless it, and I'll help you to get started. And then in time, and I hope that this becomes true of you and I, more and more as we walk with Jesus, they learn to pray this bold prayer. I will do what I can do. And I will trust you to do what only you can do. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, this seems so simple, but it is deeply profound. This is the thing that holds many people back from spiritual maturity in their life. They're unwilling to take this step because it forces us out of our comfort zone. It forces us to trust on a level that is scary. It makes us confront our own inadequacies. It makes us confront our limitations and, and, and the fact that we, we don't have everything we need up front. That's just not how God does it. And it's so powerful when we begin to learn to trust him. When we're close, and you hear this in people who have been a part of ministries where God has moved in big ways. They've been close enough to the miracles that they know, I didn't do this. <laughs> I didn't manufacture, I didn't, this was 100% God. They are quick to give the credit and glory to God. And anytime that they're recognized, they get accolades or whatever, they are quick to deflect the glory back to God. And if you ask them their story, they would say, God nudged me and I was reluctant. He wouldn't leave me alone about it. And I finally said, God, I don't know how to do this but I am willing to do the part that I can do and I will trust you to do the rest. And God is looking for more men and women who are willing to pray bold prayers like this. This is a story of every major movement of God throughout history and, and this is just how God does it. It's his process of growing faith in us. And if we refuse his nudge, we also refuse this incredible, miraculous story of his faithfulness interjecting into our lives. And I just want to encourage you that you would be willing to step up wherever God's 
nudging you today? Here at Brazos Fellowship, this has been a part of our story over and over and over. Way back in the spring of 2004, I know for some of you, you're like, I wasn't born yet. That was a long time ago. Um, 2004, God nudged Leslie and I. We were looking, living in the south end of the state of Texas and moved on our hearts that he wanted us to move to the Brazos Valley and to begin a church. And I'm like, Lord, that's awesome. I'd love to go visit there someday. I have never even been to the Brazos Valley. I know that sounds crazy. I lived in Texas my whole life, and I hadn't been here. And it was incredible. It's like God, once again, he's going, watch what I'm about to do. Watch this. This is going to be awesome. I'm like, God, uh, I don't mean to complain, but I don't know a soul. I don't have any money or a place to meet. So if you can help me out. My lunchbox is empty, all right? Um, I'm, I, and he just starts providing as we took steps now, don't hear me saying we didn't have to work hard. We had to work our little tails off, and we still do at times. Like, it's still challenging to follow him and be on this journey with Jesus 100%, but he shows up, and he does stuff that there's no way I could have done. Oh, my gosh. Mind-blowing over and over and over, over and over and over, right down to this last seven days here at Brazos Fellowship. The life change stories that are happening, unbelievable what God is doing right now incredible. I'm telling you, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. In other words, he's not waiting for you to get your act together and have enough money in the bank and have all the resources available. And he's like, okay, now we can go do something significant for the kingdom. No. He's just looking for people who are available He's not looking for people who, uh, he, he calls the, those who are available, not just those who are um, qualified, those who look like they have it all together. And, and I just encourage you today to begin to say, God, I'm willing. I'm, I'm willing to answer the call. I'm willing to say yes to the nudge. This is how our story wraps up. Verse 20 and 21 they all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward, the disciples picked up how many baskets? Twelve baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day, and here's something unique to this miracle in the Gospel of Matthew. By the way, this, this one miracle, this feeding of 5,000, so significant, it's the only miracle of Jesus that is recorded in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. This is how powerful this is. About 5,000 men were fed that day, but Luke tells us, in addition to all the women and children, historians would say that probably 20,000 plus people that were sitting on that countryside, that hillside. And we're not talking about a small number of people. And this Greek word here for baskets was a, was a, a, a you know, woven container that would hold roughly 45 pounds. You multiply that times 12, you've got about 540 pounds of food from what? Five loaves, two fish. This is the leftovers. It's just beautiful. Like Jesus is saying, if you'll bring me what you have, even what is left over after you help take care of everybody else, don't try to get out there and do it in your own power. Don't burn yourself out. Do it at my pace as I provide and what I'm telling you to do. But when you do it that way, you will find you will be more blessed than you came with. You'll, you'll leave there with more than you brought. I hear people all the time, no, 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 you don't have to thank me for serving. The, I am more blessed than them. 
I have re- I'm leaving here so blessed, so changed by this process. It has grown my faith. It has brought me closer to God. It's beautiful. I'm so thankful for the opportunity. And this is what happens. It brought them closer to God through the ministry process. And these disciples walked away that day saying, there was no way what we just saw happen was me or you. That was 100% the Lord. I mean, we were there distributing, passing out the food, but it was God who was multiplying it. It was God who was feeding hungry tummies. Like, it was God who was taking care of people. We were just dropping off what God had made I tell people that often. I feel like we're just the UPS men and women here. We're just, we didn't make the package. We're just sharing it. We're just dropping it off. He wanted this for you, right? So you can thank me, but I'm just doing my job, all right? And it's beautiful because it, all glory goes to him. These men knew that. All glory goes to God for what you see happening among us. It's so powerful, and he wants to continue to do that today. This is how God grows faith. He did it in the first century. This is how he continues to grow it. So my question for you today is, where is God nudging you right now? Where is that unmet need around you that he's saying, stop making excuses? Because my plan for you isn't based on what you've got in your lunchbox It isn't based on what you think you have and what you don't have. It's based on what I have. And I have unlimited resources, and I'll take care of you, and I'm going to teach you something profound, but you've got to trust me. You've got to follow me. And and you may have a place where you're already plugging in. For those of you who are like, gosh, I'm looking for a place. I just want to encourage you, in the seat back in front of you, we have this thing called a Connect card. Maybe you've seen them before. And you're like, I wonder what that's for. You're about to learn, Okay. You can fill this out. Give us your name, your contact information, and let us know on the back of the card, you can let us know what ministry area maybe God might be nudging you. And there might be more than one. And and you checking the box does not commit you to anything. It's just saying, I'd like more information. And we want to get you that information as soon as we can so that you can pray through that, make a decision, and get on board and begin to be a part of feeding the thousands, being a part of meeting needs around you in a practical way and see God's faithfulness as you do it. And it's beautiful. So I encourage you, if you would, take just a few minutes today before you leave here today, fill this out. Let us know where you'd like to, you'd be interested. You'd like more information. It's not, again, it's not committing you. Um, and, and just drop it in the connect, the blue connect boxes on either side of the uh, exit here in our auditorium. Just drop it in the box. Let us know how we can help you in that process. But here's our prayer. I'm asking you to pray with me, simply saying, Lord Jesus, I'm saying yes to your nudging today. I'll bring you what I have and trust you to do what only you can do. Please grow my faith. I want to encourage you today, if you would, and just right now, as we bow before God, that you would just pay attention to where is God nudging you today? It might not be here at Brazos, it might be in your household, at work, and helping a neighbor, helping somebody in your family. I don't know, but just be open to what God is nudging your heart right now. And he's saying, I want you to be the one. I want you to step up and let me use you to make a difference. 
And if you would, right now, I'm gonna ask you to commit to that in this prayer. And also for those of you who have never asked Christ into your life, you've never become a Christian, you've never become a child of God, a disciple of Jesus, is what Jesus called it. I wanna give you an opportunity right now to say, yes, I wanna be forgiven of sin. I wanna know that I'm walking every day with Jesus and that that will continue on. The moment this life is over on this planet, I will spend eternity with him. There is this constant stream of consciousness that goes from now to eternity with him. There's not even a blip. You just go right into eternity with him forever. And I want to give you the opportunity to receive that right now. If you would, let's bow together in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you, God, that today you speak to one of the greatest needs of our life, our faith or our lack of faith. And I pray, God, that all across this room right now, there would be a welling up of desire, a hunger in us to say, God, I want that kind of faith. I want that kind of unshakable faith in you. I want to have stories like that that I can share with my kids and grandkids and nieces and nephews. God, I'm putting my yes on the table. I'm giving you what I have. Would you nudge my heart? Show me, clarify to me. And maybe he has already done that. And you're to the point where you need to say, God, I hear you. Yes. God, I see what you're doing around me. Yes. God, I know you don't make mistakes. When you've shown me that need and you put it on my heart and I can't get away from it. Yes, I'll be a part. I'll at least be a part of helping to meet that need. All across the room right now, you know God's nudging your heart and you're willing to say yes to the nudge. Would you join me in just raising your hand saying, God, I'm giving you my yes right now. Would you lift your hand up? God bless you. Thank you all across the room. Thank you for being honest. and It's a bold act of faith. God, I, I pray you would hear every heart, every hand, every desire to say, yes, God, yes, use me, grow my faith. I'm sick of the stagnation. I don't want another week, year, month of this. I want to grow. I want to come to know you. I want that intimacy that you desire for me, what you created me for. I want that. Would you tell him yes? Yes, God. And right now, Jesus is telling us, bring it here. Bring it to me. Would you just say, yes, I'm bringing it to you. I'm giving you what I have. Let me put your hands down. And right now, for all who can hear my voice on, online, here in the room, that will honestly say, I want to become a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus today. That begins by inviting him into your life. Just say, Jesus, I invite you into my life. I accept when you died on the cross, resurrected from the dead, that was to satisfy the penalty of my sin. My sin demands death of me, but you died in my place so that I might not, I could have eternal life instead of death. I say yes to you right now. Would you tell him yes? I say yes to your forgiveness. May you guide and lead my life as my shepherd, as my Lord starting right now. Would you tell him that? If you just asked Jesus to be the forgiver of your sin and the Lord of your life, would you just boldly lift your hand just saying, Will I just ask Christ to take over? 
I'm a disciple. I'm a follower of Jesus. God bless you, sir, right there. Anybody else giving it all over to Jesus? God bless you, sir, right down here. I see you. And right back over here. God bless you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. I can see. I know this is a dramatic, this is an emotional moment. When you're giving everything to Jesus and you're, you're done playing games, praise God for that. Thank you, Jesus, for people doing that right now. Only you could do that, Lord. Only you could do that. We witness another miracle of life change and eternity, eternal destiny is, is shifted right here, right now. Thank you for that. I pray, God, you would help us leave here changed today. That we would be more sensitive to your Holy Spirit's prompting and nudgings in our life. That we would be quicker to obey, quicker to listen and say yes. Thank you for your love. We pray it all in the powerful and amazing name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Now, next week, we're going to talk about the circumstances that God uses to change your life. Don't miss that. See you next Sunday. God bless you. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.